0: Hello and welcome to the Refurb and Retrofit podcast. On today's podcast we've got Nigel Wally who is the head of an organisation that are involved in tracking the information about a house. Now it's going to sound a bit vague right now but Nigel, first of all say hello.
1: Hello, so I'm Nigel Wally and I'm here with two hats on I think. I'm here as chair of the trade body, the Residential Labor Association uh, and I'm here also as uh, CEO of
0: one of the labor companies, Cheney. Now the logbook concept a lot of people aren't really going to be very clear about what that means um, and and how that could possibly impact them specifically as homeowners so in the very first instance could you give us an idea of what a logbook is uh, and why the importance of it being digital what, what that means it's a new
1: concept so i fully understand the the context point you made that most of them haven't heard of them um, and probably aren't clear what they are. But probably the easiest comparison is your car. Um, actually, we've had car log books for years. The idea of something which which captures all the key servicing information, um, key milestones, etc., is, is pretty standard uh, in cars. And we quite often point to what's happening with car log books that have been digitized. So now, instead of having an old paper book like we used to, we now have an online account with the DVLA, um, which automatically gets updated by anybody who works on your car. And we're increasingly seeing innovation around the front end. So if you buy a new Tesla, you get an app which is connected to the DVLA logbook. It's connected to the manufacturer. It's connected to your local dealer. It's even um, connected to your local health. Insurance. And so suddenly, by digitizing the car logbook, they've created this lovely kind of ecosystem, which is full of service benefits for the, the car owner. And we're doing something similar around property. So the idea of a logbook is a secure online digital tool that the property owner can use to collate information as it's, as it's gathered around property transactions, building um, build significant building work, retrofit work maintenance. And long term, we're moving towards having automatic data flooding into these things from people like your utilities, the companies, they're companies who service your central heating, your smart devices like the solar panels, etc. So, so right now, whilst we're online and we're secure with the logbook concept, it's still reasonably manual. Homeowners and property owners are having to upload information to, to store it over time. These things, like the car logbooks, will go on a journey to where they are integrated with the local council, integrated with the land registry, integrated with the company to service your boilers. So, data will be flowing into it. And you'll be sitting there as a property owner gathering um, incredibly valuable data uh, that will be usable for you when you want to service or maintain your home.
0: Okay, well, I think that's a a good description to start with. um, Let's maybe break down some of what you've just talked about. Um, I think most people will be aware of how um, information is passed back and forth between authorities, certainly in the UK. With organizations like land registry and people of a certain vintage will remember way back when the home information packs or hips which were essentially energy information packs about um, how efficient your house was and, and they fell out of favor and were, and were scrapped but uh, the logbook i can see is like a good way of combining authoritative information about the house with information about its performance but How exactly would it work for people? How would they access it? Um, And who of the other organisations that people would be aware of in the residential sector would be able to interact? You talked about power companies, but give us an idea of how that would work.
1: Yeah, I think there's a a foundational statement to make here, which is that um, the logbook companies, we all talk about the fact we make a tool that's used by homeowners. Um, I think you'll be aware that As you just described, more and more organizations around us as homeowners or around property owners in general are digitized, whether it's the council, the utilities, the advertising, everybody's going on this digital journey. And in the short term, one of the weird outcomes of this is that as a property owner, every organization around you has probably got loads of digital information about your property in their systems and services, which they're not sharing with you as a homeowner. And one of the, the key tenets of the logbook uh, phenomenon is that we are looking to put homeowners back into the center of this. If you own the property, it should be that all of that data is, is yours. It accrues to your property, it belongs to you, and actually all these other people should be just borrowing. it. Uh, and, and actually that, that position is, is reasonably all backed up by the Information Commissioner's Office, who, who views most of that information as personal information for you as the property owner. So we have this weird situation where Everybody's got great data about your property apart from you. And we're looking to flip that around. And so the the, the logbook is a tool for the use of the homeowner. It's not something where we're capturing data. Um, As a logbook company, we are just creating tools. So so one of the great analogies, you mentioned it earlier on, is um, Google Docs and Dropbox. And nobody thinks Dropbox is stealing your information. It's a tool that you are using to store things. So, a logbook had it you know at a really basic level is like a bloody clever dropbox of your home that also integrates with the council to get more information integrates with land registry to check information and and integrates with utilities to download data so we're setting up very clever dropboxes um, for homeowners to use themselves to capture information uh, and store it and and use it for their own purposes
0: yeah i'm not i'm not a stranger to this concept i uh, interacted with them. Um... A company who were the providers for effectively the information safety boxes for the insurance industry and they they had a very secure system people were very comfortable with it people didn't really think twice about uploading documentation which related to their you know personal circumstances uh, finances uh, and previous driving history so I can see that working as a concept however the home is a very personal experience and we as a magazine are obviously interested in how people are going to improve their their enjoyment yep. of their home, how they're going to be more comfortable. People find um, information about their home, you know, it's something that's kind of sacred to them. So how would you overcome or how do you envisage overcoming people's concerns about the privacy of what information is, is kept about their house in these logbooks?
1: Yeah, well, the, the key thing we're saying to people is this information is out there already one of the things we're going to help them do is just spot who's got information about their house they're not sharing. So the logbook companies are not trying to take information off people. We're just trying to give them a tool to manage their own information and and lock it down. And over time, we're looking to actually, bear with me on this, we're looking to reduce the amount of information that's swimming around the public sector about our homes, which shouldn't be. There's a huge amount of data abuse going on. A huge amount of information which the ICO classifies as personal information to the homeowner, is being published um, by organizations like the Land Registry, like um, the local authority, um, and is against the law. And nobody knows they're doing it. So so simple things, a great example, the Land Registry publishes data on the price paid um, for for transactions. So you can go online and find out what your your new neighbor paid for their home. Uh, They're publishing that under an open government license and it's been classified by the ICO as, as private data. They shouldn't be doing it. It's, it, it's illegal. Um, and so we're, what we're trying to do on behalf of homeowners is, is A, give them the tools to find out who's got information and, and kind of shut some of the sharing down. But we're also petitioning as a group of companies to, to stop some of these abuses. Right. It's, it's, another one is local authorities. Mm-hmm. Local authorities, by law, have to publish planning commission data. We get that. It's the law. It goes on their website you have planning permission to do a roof extension. They don't have um, a legal obligation to publish building control information, um, but, but lots of them do. About two-thirds of the local authorities in the UK publish your building control information, including detailed plans, details of your home, um, and they have no obligation to do it. And they do it because it's laziness, because it's easy just to shove everything on a website and then tell people to go and look at it. But So this is another huge block of data that a public body is publishing, um, which they shouldn't private data so it's a big part of our initiative isn't isn't actually about scaring the homeowner about sharing more data it's actually giving them the tools to lock down some of the abuses coming on and making sure that they're in control of their own data around their home
0: now i can see how that very personal data would be kind of upsetting for some people some people just don't want information like that uh, uh, to be discovered other people just don't care um, and mm-hmm. there's, you know, that's that's a personal choice. In terms of the information that's useful in a wider context for society as we fight the climate crisis, uh, performance, um, uh, the energy performance of a house, it's like it's really interesting for a lot of people, especially if you're a nerd like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that you're, you know, you're going to try to improve on your house, especially if you've got period house or like a lot of people in this country have got housing stock, which is over 100 years old and will be around yep. in 2050 when we're supposed to be achieving our net zero target. So, my question is, uh, the energy performance of a house, as it increases in societal value, as we have more interest in how good a performance, uh, how good a house is at keeping energy in and not using a lot of energy, isn't that, doesn't that mean that the logbooks potentially become a gold mine of information? for instance, for potential buyers who will look at your house and be able to understand very reasonably that you haven't made any effort to make it energy efficient and it's going to be a money pit, for instance. Yeah,
1: no, a- absolutely, yeah. Um, and the there is a move within the advertising industry to create uh, a new class of what's being called upfront information. And so we are um, drifting back towards the emphasis that was around um, with home information tax, with HIPS, um, so um, we believe in in, um, in my company Chimney and within the wider group of logbooks that are covered by the Residential Logbook Association, um, we believe that a logbook should be able to do one of two things: either press a button and create a report for a buyer, um, which is and, and um, the conveyancing industry is is working on a new definition of something that's affecting. It's a digital. Uh, mm-hmm. It's coming. Um, and so logbooks will be able to produce that. And the second thing is if you get um, a committed buyer as a seller, you should be able to open up your logbook and show them things like written records for the central printing and those kind of things. So, so the logbook is there. But the, the key thing in both of those is that it's under the, hope, the proxy owners' control what information gets, gets shared. And I think we have to be very careful in the retrofit world because there is, um, amongst a lot of people, a push to make all data public. You know, we're already concerned by by how much data is, is being published about our EPCs. You know, we have no problem with the EPC rating of a property um, being published. Don't really see why the data underneath it, the the SAP data that encapsulates it, should be um, of public knowledge. And um, we're having the same debate about smart meter data. There is a lot of people in the retro industry, particularly kind of the academics and the policy people, who would like all smart meter data to be public and aggregated and available. And we're we're saying, whoa, hang, hang on just a minute. That is deeply personal data for the for the homeowner. Uh, and it should be for the homeowner to, to say what is shared and what isn't. So so in the retromit debate there's a lot of, of discussions um in this area about things which should be shared for the greater good and things which actually contravene the principles at least of GDPR, if not necessarily the um the, kind of the finite details.
0: Well, let's narrow down on some of the things that you talked about there. If I was a, let's say I was running a retrofit glazing company, Mm. I could effectively go now um, and have a look at performance data for houses and target houses that have been built in a certain period. Um, And that would be, you know, maybe a reasonable campaign to do. It's quite generic. However, if the information about the performance of a house becomes more detailed, I'd know exactly which houses, which ones by number, in a row yeah. that I'd be able to target. And I, that sounds like it could be a useful way of people really um, honing in on those people that need to improve. But also, it makes me feel a bit icky. Like It's abuse. Yeah.
1: It's abuse of the UPC data. There is no other way of, of um, defining it. It's abuse. It shouldn't be published. It shouldn't be open to, to com callers who want to sell double glazing to, to, to scan that stuff. Because it's you know, serious data that was created for a serious reason. I would point out, by the way, that a significant amount of the EPC registry is actually out of date. If you think about the number of people who buy a house, some of the sellers put themselves an EPC so they can sell it, they can buy a property and start doing it up. The minute they start doing it up, the thing's out of date. So you know, the worst thing is, is you've got a whole bunch of cold calls being enabled by out-of-date out data. We're going to be not only cold called by window sellers, but people who double brand-new double glazing are getting these calls. So it's absolutely abuse of data, and and it's something that our trade body's been campaigning against. And we've been asking whether we need a new GDPR-type principle for property data, because there's too many... And lots of these abuses are kind of small, and as you mentioned earlier on, individually people don't care that much about it, but actually, cumulatively, the retrofit industry is in danger of creating a data abuse situation, which will end up in following.
0: Right, well, look, we don't want the... uh... The world of retrofit to become uh, discredited um, but it is important that things are done right and what you've just said has reminded me of a story which i actually worked on as a journalist a number of years ago when we did the hips story uh, at watchdog at the bbc one of the reasons that we went after that story is that it had become uh, ripe for abuse and there were people charging increasingly more demanding fees for home information packs which weren't being conducted properly and in some cases the the information in that was completely spurious uh, that mm. was that obviously wasn't the majority of providers but that was an industry which sprung out of nothing now the logbook industry um it is something which a lot of people just won't know about. Um, like a lot of aspects of retrofitting, people don't know what companies they can trust. They don't have a kite mark for retrofitting. There's no brand that's instantly instantly recognizable. And we've been talking about that in some of our articles. How will people know which logbook companies to trust and how will they know what level of sort of certification people have achieved in order to be sort of mandated to run yeah. a logbook company?
1: No, it's, it's, it's the right question. Um, about five years ago,
0: the um,
1: Ministry of Housing, which was still part of MHCLG as we used to call it before we started calling it DLUC. Oh, right. Um, Lovely.
0: <laughs> Love an abbreviation. Yeah,
1: um, they, they got um, six companies into a room and got so all around the table and said, Guys, you are all doing a similar kind of thing. It's very hard for us to deal with you individually, but if you were to work together as a trade group, we can deal with you. Um, and so out of that came the Residential Logbook Association. And about a year later, they came back to us and said, look, the things you just, just raised, if there is to be a consumer focused proposition called a logbook, we need some kind of gold standard, we need some kind of self regulation, and we need something that gives us um, something we can point the consumer at to say, actually, those companies um, are validated and, and these ones aren't. And so, out of that, we did two things as a group of companies. And so, we've been working alongside be on this now for four years. We have put um, in place a self regulatory process. Uh, so, the first thing I would say to any homeowner is if you are going to have a logbook, book, go on the RLBA website and choose one of the providers who is an RLBA member because they are at least um, within a, uh, a Ministry regulated, uh, sorry, recognized um, self regulatory process. So that's key. And the second thing we did was to launch a national register of logbooks. Oh. And that went live in January this year. Okay. So there was a national register of verified logbooks.
0: And where people And then there's a, just to interrupt you there. So where can people find that? Now we'll put it in the show notes, but uh, Yeah. There's, that, there's a
1: there's a there's a link on the um, the trade body website. So I'll, we'll we'll make sure that the the RLBA the Residential Logbook Associations webpage is in the in the show notes. So you could find it. Okay. And and so we, we put this register together and there was there was multiple reasons for the register. The um, a lot of them coming out of the buying and selling industry. So but when we look across Europe, the, the drive for logbooks in most other countries is being driven by the retrofit industry. Hmm. In the UK, it was driven and all the initial groundwork was done by the buying and selling industry. Oh, the, Why do you think that is then? And a lot of it was driven by the need to um, do one or two things. Speed up the conveyancing process, because in the absence of hips, conveyancing was kind of crumbling. During lockdown, it went up to 50 uh, 50 weeks to sell a house, when it could be overnight. this, This should be a process that you press a button, and you're ready to sell, and it was taking up for 50 weeks. Yeah, I, I'm, sorry, I'm
0: sorry I'm sorry to say that uh, there was a house uh, purchase that I was trying to complete just after lockdown, and it was a, an awful long time. It's a painful process for people, and it yeah. makes them very emotional. But how will the logbook in, so increase the speed of that then?
1: So the idea um, in, in that instance was that if people spent more time getting themselves ready to sell before they sold, um, they would avoid a huge number of the pitfalls that... Um, lead to property sales falling through or they lead to these great big amounts of time. Um, And so we've been working with the Ministry of Housing and the legal industry to effectively create this notion of a digital head. Here are some things. If people could just line these things up before they even bother an estate agent, it would stop. I think 30% of sales fall through, which is just a massive amount. And it's for basic things. I'll give you an example. A huge number of property uh, sales fall through because when the conveyancer eventually gets the title plan from Land Registry, it turns out that the names are wrong. It takes 16 weeks to change the name on a, on a title and right. um, If you're in the middle of a chain, that, that destroys everything. Sometimes it's just, you know, your ex-wife's name is still on the bid, so you forgot to take her off, and so you can't sell the property, or they spoke the surname wrong, and those kind of things. And all of those things that the, the government was saying, Look, if we could just get people to be more aware of their property that's more aware of the, the certification around the property. So when they're thinking about going to sell, there was a tool where they could just be prompted. You know, here are the 10 things you get your conveyances is going to ask for. Press this button or get them. Um, and, and then when you've got them, just read them. Check the names. Read them. So we're in the logbook world. We're, we've got these these kind of seller's packs, uh, these digital hips, effectively, in our logbooks where somebody's selling can, can do this. And we prompt them to do all the quick early checks, all the things that would normally kill a deal. And even going as far as suggesting that sellers pre-buy the surveys and the searches. Right.
0: Because those okay. things, there's
1: normally an eight-week lead time for them. And if you're thinking about selling in eight weeks' time, you might as well get them done now. So um, the world is changing uh, around that. So okay. and we'll come, if, if we may, we'll come back on to that point. Because I want to just say the, the other reason why the government was keen for books to get in place um, and, that, and to have the register, and that was um, profit fraud. They wanted to make sure that in this new property, in this new logbook world, yeah. people didn't, didn't rent a property, done up a logbook, make it look like they got all the information they own it, and that the logbooks were going to be complicit in property fraud. Right. And so the register is um, is a register of logbooks that have been put there by conveyances, mm-hmm. and, or have been legally checked, where the ownership of the logbook has mm-hmm. been verified with the property data. So. We're growing this national database of registered and verified logbooks, where if you if you get presented with this logbook, you know that it's the right logbook for the right property because it's on on that register.
0: Okay, well that all sounds like a valuable information, particularly for people who are involved in the sales process. But if we just hook ourselves back into retrofitting, uh, the no. natural the National Retrofit Hub um, has specifically been taken an in interest, um, and they are. Effectively, one of the organisations that we're following, who are supposed to be guiding us as a country, and uh, we know they're working very hard, but they have quite an uphill struggle. Uh, And one of the things that they have talked about in their recent open planning meeting is the um, the need to to make archetypes around houses, so that uh, retrofit assessors can more quickly and more easily understand what sort of house somebody is coming to them with, and asking, can this be retrofitted? And you know this. Important points about why this is going to work, uh, if it can be uh, put into action by logbooks. It means that the advice that somebody gets about their property can be fact-checked against their logbook. It means that their house is only mm. going to get is only going to get recommended for improvement works, which are actually reasonable and going to be effective. And more importantly, it will help speed up applications for uh, those people who are kind of stuck in the middle, and that's the retrofit. Uh, fitters because uh, processing of government payments is never fast at the best of times but if you can check a logbook and you can put it against the property and you can see that the work's been completed then this will help improve you know um the the process of the retrofitters getting paid as well but how will you regulate that information because in the wrong hands archetypes in the wrong hands uh, archetypes just provide people with an opportunity to market now you've already said that there is serious problems with data being overshared. How will the Logbook Association work towards improving this situation right now?
1: Yeah, so if I made it our pick, there was about seventeen things of interest in that in that question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First of all, Natural retro, National Retrofit Hub. So the Logbook Association is working with the Natural Retrofit Hub. We're members of it, um, and, and we're big supporters of their work. Mm-hmm. One of the things we are doing. Um, with the NRH is um, looking at how logbooks work with all the other um, reports and devices that are being discussed in the world of retrofit like whole home plans, medium term plans um, building renovation plans, etc. There's a set of of concepts that are being discussed and um, we are sitting on the, the, the work group that says okay, how do all these new concepts come to market these different kinds of reports Um, how how do they work with the logbook world? How does data flow between them? If you've got a logbook full of information, how do you share it with an installer? How do you share it with somebody who wants to write you um, a whole home plan? Uh, And the the other way around, if there is a company that, that is doing retrofit assessments or retrofit planning for people, how can they share data back into a logbook if one exists or even set one up if one doesn't. So there's a lot of potential relationships and data flows that we are we're whiteboarding with the, the National Retrofit Hub. We're all driving to the point where more of the of these devices and report types are of a recognized standard and they use data schemas which are standardized across us. So theoretically, in the future, if a retrofit company sets up um, and does some work on a property that's got a chimney logbook, it should automatically add a shared data both outward and inward with the logbook because we're both using standards set by the natural House. So there's some really important foundational work um, going on um, in the NRH, and it's all about standardizing both data schemas and mechanisms for, for exchange. So so that's kind of the, the, um, the, the background comment. you got the point about archetypes. Um, archetypes are useful, they're a shortcut. You know, if I, I'm in a 1930s semi-detached house. There aren't isn't that much variation in 1930s semi-detached house um, at top. You know, there's two or three stories. Is it a round front window, a bay window, or is it a square one? You know, there, there's is it left or right? You know, so aren't much are useful for narrowing down the things you you, you can do, um, but they're not detailed data. They they shortcut you to somewhere where you can get to, to um, um, using finding useful. Things. But we still believe that at the core of a good retrofit is always um, a starting survey. If someone really needs accurate density. Are those walls actually built of brick or are they block work? Are they, you know, is there um, um is there a cavity, is there insulation, all those kind of things are actually much more detailed, granular bits of information that you won't get in archetypes. So, so they're a useful shortcut and we support them as a way of doing it. Um, but the the really interesting We need is for homeowners to just know much more about their home, and that's whether they're going to do retrofit or whether they're just considering how to be more energy efficient and use the house better. We're moving to a world where, where whereas previously we didn't know much about our homes, we got a key when we bought it, we wandered in, we put some wallpaper up. In this new world, we're actually expecting the homeowner to to just know more, and if if information is created about our home, like if I have a survey done, um, that information is isn't just put in a PDF or shoved in a you know, report in the bottom drawer. It's actually captured, moved into a logbook, used as, as part of this growing data set that as a homeowner I should be in control of. And I can to share with people? An installer wants to come and make a recommendation to do something clever. I should be able to open up my logbook and show them the data I've got. If they create data that's interesting and useful during the installation, should be added into the pile and shared with the next person along. So... And then that's that kind of virtuous data circle we're living to engender. But we, we most certainly are talking about a very different world.
0: Now, this one's going to be a bit more difficult for you to answer. Um, <laughs> it's not going to be an easy podcast all the time. There, let's talk about when things go wrong. Now, uh, land registry is a slightly difficult organisation at times to work with and for. I'm sure. Um, they have a difficult job. You know, we have housing stock in this country, some of which is hundreds of years old mm. and has all sorts of um, caveats, chancelleries, and I, I can't, I remember there was a, uh, a house I was looking at when I was recently moving and it uh, it had to pay fees to the local church for the clock tower. And I've been doing that for 300 years or something. Mm. Look, it's, it's a labyrinthine um, process um, involving yourself in the house purchase. House maintenance should be made easier buy a logbook but when things go wrong when data is put in incorrectly when the meter information from a house is attributed to a a different logbook how easy will it be and how quickly will you be able to rectify errors which potentially could have really devastating effects for people Mm. not in in just the house purchasing process but people applying for grants to uh, change their heating and You know, when the computer says no, that can be really bad. As a regulated body, how quickly will you set yourself the target of being able to deal with the problems when they occur? You
1: know, it's a great question. Um, For the most part, those data sources we've talked about um, will be coming into logbooks automatically from Kind of official data sources. So you know, things like your, your meter readings, et cetera. We, we as logbook companies won't be mediating that, that data. We won't be messing around with it. We, all we're doing right. is enabling you as a homeowner to access it. So uh-huh. if, you know, if your meter um, reading is wrong, as it's as being shown in the logbook, your relationship really is, is between you and the utility. You know, why is the utility sending wrong information into into the logbook? The logbook is just a, a framework for, for hold, the capturing and holding this stuff. Um, yeah. So you know, we, we are not as logbook companies, in the most part um, manipulating this data for you, um, we are just displaying, and we, we're helping you find and display information in a, in a useful fashion. So if the land registry's got data that's wrong, and we're showing it wrong in a, in a logbook, again, the issue is with the data source, not not the logbook. Ah, so, uh,
0: right. Okay. That's. I'm glad you've cleared that up, because that makes me understand maybe a bit more about what the logbooks are. They're effectively custodians. For the data um and we you know we're not yeah. gonna, we're not going to say we're not going to have a i think this is going to gain a popularity but a Fujitsu moment uh <laughs> with, with your tech yeah uh, not to belittle okay. the suffering of the postmasters but um house sales are stressful enough uh, it sounds like uh, you've got pretty much the security the privacy concerns of people um squared away how Often will there be reviews of the data that you're storing, and 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 when will there be uh, controls placed on that? Because there is security breaches; it happens mm. in different organisations. Mm-hmm. 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 And if you've ever gone and had a look at the Pawned, and I'll put that in the show notes uh, website to see if your email addresses have been included in a data breach, you know it does occur. Yeah, Who, who's going to regulate that for you guys? Yeah,
1: um, so. The, there's a few things to kind of stress in there. We, we are um, digital tech businesses like all these other businesses. So you know, we are um, as susceptible to, to those things as the Bank of England is. Um, and all we can do as an organization is make sure that we are... Um, oh, so a, any logbook company that's a member of the RBA um, should be benchmarking their, their tech and their security against the, the most secure conveyancing level um, uh, software. So, um, because I, I don't think any organisation, even the Bank of England, would, would claim that they are hack-proof. <laughs> so it would be arrogant for us to say it, but, but we have to be um, setting a standard for, for, for logbooks, which is matched against the absolute highest in the home of office-level security uh, uh, systems, and that's part of what we put in place with the. Um, the self-registry process that there are security standards that any logbook who wants to be an RLBA member and wants to enlist their logbooks on the RLBA register should be meeting certain minimum standards of data security okay So just, still- i'm going to
0: interrupt you there though just just to be very clear though so who polices you because there's too many instances of organizations marking their own homework which is no good for anybody so yeah who, who is oversight now just so i'm very clear about that
1: yeah well it's the RLBA is overseeing
0: the um
1: the work of individual local companies so and um so i suppose you could ask then the follow-up question who who oversees the overseers um i can't do the latin quote for that but there, there is one <laughs> <laughs> the um and so at the moment in four ministry housing we are um moving the RLBA uh, next year in under the framework of Probably um, the National Trading Standards, we do a very good job of, of overseeing self regulatory um, systems. So, so so that's the intention. We're, we're a reasonably new organization, so we look at this stuff, we have to learn on the fly. Right. Um, okay. that, the, the intention is to bring each logbook to um, a basic security standard that we set, and then for our, the ROBA standard to be monitored by, by one of the national organizations that monitors self regulatory processes.
0: Okay. All right, well look, this has been good. Let's just uh, let's round it up now. You've been very informative. Let's uh, let's step forward uh 12 uh 14 months time from now, maybe 3 years even at the worst. Uh we've accelerated retrofit uh, projects across the country. The uh, millions and millions of people who've got EPC C level houses and below are being looked after. How will the digital logbook improve the speed, the ease, uh, and therefore the benefits to the retrofit system, making people's houses warmer? How will it help?
1: Yeah. Um, So first comment is that there's eight providers on the market and we're all different. So um, I'm not suggesting that these comments are going to be consistent across all providers. You know, we have to accept there's there's going to be some... I mean, there are some members of the ROBA who don't focus on retrofit at all. They tend to focus on new builds. So, uh, we have at least three member companies who are 100% focused on new build properties, giving logbooks away as kind of handover tools as part of the new build. They're much more focused on things like snagging and, um, and fault um, repetition. So, they have a different kind of focus around this. There's a group of us who are much more focused on traditional uh, properties. And, we, and within that, there's three or four of us who are focusing very much on retrofit. So, if you were to look at all RLBA member companies, as I say, only a subset will be retrofit focused, not all of them. So, some logbooks won't have retrofit at all. That, that's the market. Okay. Um, but, but for those who do, the idea is for all the logbook companies, if they are RLBA members, to implement anything we agree with the natural retrofit hub around data standards right. um, and exchange of products. We will recognize any of the other products like. Um, renovation plans, medium-term plans. We will have them um, templated in our logbook so you can move data in and out. Uh, and the, the, the key thing, which we're we absolutely key, is, is education and empowerment. So a logbook should be somewhere, not just an archive of stuff that's happened or an archive of, of, of retro books. It should be somewhere you can go to, to learn about this stuff. Because I think we, on the retrofit industry, we have to not just get anyone to, to implement retrofit, before we can do that, we have to educate. You know, As you say, if, if I, I've got a 1930 semi, where do I find the information on what I could do to um, improve energy efficiency, um, improve energy use, all those kind of things? And so I, I happen to know there are good websites out there. Uh, and we, what we're seeing amongst the logbook companies, there are some, um, including my company Chimney, we're looking to build as much of this within the logbook as possible. So you can go and you can you know, ask a question, you know, how do I improve energy efficiency? How do I X, Y, Z? And you should be able to find that information through your logbook uh, and do something about it. There's other companies in the RLBA who are looking to partner. So if you go to their site and you want to do something about retrofit, they, they bring a, you know, there's a partner company on board and they, they um, point you in the right direction. But um, being able to educate the homeowner is an absolute simple first, first step. And then giving them the tools to um, to manage a retrofit project and to report it properly and to make sure things are lodged and stuff is is the second part. And so a good example um, that I can give you is that the RLBA we are negotiating with the organizations who manage um, certification and lodgement of retrofit installations mm-hmm. to make sure that we can access the data that they hold on home. So at the moment, if you have solar panels installed in your house uh, and the information on that on that installation is lodged with Trustmark, as a homeowner, you can't access the data that's on Trustmark. They have no mechanism for sharing the data with the actual homeowner. Whereas the and so the logbook companies are saying, actually, what we would like is if we are a verified RLBA verified logbook, we can prove the identity of the logbook owner um, and that they own that property, they should be able to check the lodgement details in Trustmark via their logbook.
0: Yep, I can see so, that.
1: Yep. Yeah, and, and so you should be able to show a buyer. Look, not only did I have the solar panels done, and there's all mm-hmm. the documentation from the installer, but if you look here, you should be able to see, and there is the installation um, sitting on a Trustmark module system to prove that the installer did it right. um, to the relevant qualification. So so as a group of companies, we are knocking the doors down to say to the retrofit certification industry, you can't hold this data privately. If okay. you've got data on my retrofit, it needs to be shared into a book.
0: Right, that all sounds sound. Just one point I'm just going to pick up before we wrap up the podcast. Uh, If you are providing a service within the logbooks which helps people connect with potential improvements, how will you make sure that your system removes bias from choosing certain solutions over others? And the reason I'm asking that question is, so some of the hemp companies have now had their products approved for um, installation in buildings under... uh, building regulations and so that will be able to accelerate the processing industrial scale of their products and solution now hemp insulation is carbon negative in some cases if it's processed at speed and at pace and a volume and that's going to swamp a market which up until this moment has been dominated by solutions which aren't made of hemp now how are you going to levy the responsibility that you have to just stand back because you're a portal and you're saying that you're just a custodian Mm -hmm. of information so how will you be making those recommendations and making sure that you don't you know you can avoid bias for any other solutions
1: yeah it's a good question and it's not one i necessarily have an answer to um Mm -hmm. off the top of my head because that you're moving um from being a custodian of data and a presenter of data to being um something which recommends directions uh, mm-hmm. is, is quite a significant step. And a lot of the logbook companies won't want to go over that line. They okay. just want to just point people at a range of options and let them make their own decisions. For those companies who do want to step over the line and offer um, uh, recommendations, um, I think probably the, the way we're going to go is, is to make sure that um, there is education of the logbook companies on on how to, to recommend in a neutral, um, neutral way without without around these, these things, and that will come from being members of fields like the National Retrofit Hub. Right. Because From the logbook group, we won't be able to derive that um, information, derive that decision-making process. We will look to, to industry partners. Um, and we, we're doing this in every sector, whether it's buying and selling, um, uh, retrofit, renovation. There are industry groups who are the the, um, the industry experts, the sector, um, sector experts, and we're looking to work with them uh, and work to whatever qualification level that they are are recommending. So it won't be us, but we will work with the people who can with
0: willing to say. But it sounds like you've got a really useful situation developing. Uh, more power will come with more information and I can definitely see yeah. the benefit of that. It sounds like you've very much squared away security aspects. And thank you for your responses there with regarding some of the bias. If um if people want to find out more about how they can use logbooks to improve their property how it can help them with their retrofits uh, whereabouts will they be able to find you or your members and how will they be able to make sure they navigate towards certified members of the organization
1: starting point will be the residential logbook association website and hopefully we'll be able to put the link to that in in notes underneath the yep, absolutely yeah.
0: yeah so once they've got to your website um, will your organization and other members be easily recognizable
1: Yes, and you'll see on the website the, the emblem, which is indicative of being a an RLBA member, and a logbook company should have that on their website, and it should be on their emails. Um, so um, you'll be able to recognise which companies can give you a verified, certified RLBA member logbook.
0: Well, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. I'm really interested to see how this develops and how Retrofit is effective. Nigel, wonderful talking to you. Thank you for the invite. Refurb and Retrofit is a podcast made possible because of its listeners. Please help us grow the channel by leaving a comment and rating on the podcast app you're listening on. Even better, why don't you subscribe to our website and get the stories every week straight into your email. Until next time.